This is the TV Podcast Industry's review of 2019 and preview of 2020. Welcome back, Gothamites, Defenders, Boys and Girls, Angels and Demons, Watchers. Don't think I've missed anything there. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello, I'm one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out this New Year trio, I'm Chris. Welcome back, everybody. It's 2020. We're going to be talking about all of the podcasts and all of the shows that we covered in 2019. Um, We've kind of renamed our audience quite a few times over the course of 2019 because we did over 80 podcasts about TV and movies in the full year of last year, lots and lots of stuff we covered. So we t- decided that this would be a great opportunity to just have a look back, see what we remember about the seasons that we talked about, and have a quick discussion about each of the shows that we talked about during the year last year. Yep. Um, it, it's amazing to think 80. Like, that's, it's not like we have jobs or anything, you know? So, yeah, that, that, this is, that's a lot of talking. We do a lot of talking, <laughs> but that's a lot of talking. Yes, it is. Yeah, no, we love to talk here, but it was certainly, I think, our biggest year so far uh, of podcasting. And of course, uh, a teary one as well, as we do uh, say farewell um, so long, a few days in, goodbye mm-hmm. to some of our podcast feeds, which will be immortalized, though, on TV podcast industries. So such as our Defenders TV podcast, which we covered the Marvel Netflix uh, shows from Daredevil through Jessica Jones and Luke Cage through to Iron Fist and the Defenders mm-hmm. um, for, what, four years, five yeah, years? Four years. Uh, and including The Punisher as well. And, uh, yeah, that was a, a great number of shows, um, not without its issues, uh, but produced some great, great uh, television for us to cover. And, of course, um, Gotham, uh, the one that kicked it all off, um, ended... Uh, and of course, we did, and the spirit of Gotham lives on through our Pennyworth podcast. Yeah. And in fact, the Defenders uh, TV podcast, the spirit of that will live on through our coverage of the Disney plus Marvel shows as well. Yeah. Uh, I, for one, will certainly keep calling it Defenders TV podcast <laughs> subtitle. For TV podcast industries. Absolutely. But if you're hearing this podcast on any of those feeds, because I am putting it out to close down those feeds, make sure you resubscribe to our podcast on TV podcast industries, where we'll be discussing all the shows that, uh, that we've talked about before, plus all the shows that are coming up in 2020 and beyond. So just go to tvpodcastindustries.com and subscribe there. Yes. But also don't forget you can go over to our Facebook group. So you'll never miss any episode that we put out, be it on whatever channel or show we are covering, you can go over to facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries where we discuss, we put up spoiler posts, we hear your thoughts, and that's usually where we get some of our feedback, but not the only places we get our feedback because we also take your voicemails, which you can leave over on our website at tvpodcastindustries.com, but also email because email is not dead, no matter what digital marketing people say sometimes. So you can send us your feedback emails at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. But to, as we closed out the year in 2019, we did something unique. 
We did something that no other podcast people in the world have done before. <laughs> yes, we started a Patreon because, you know, it helps us keep the lights on. It helps us keep the our uh, illustrious producer slash everything else, uh, Derek, uh, in uh, caffeine as he edits all of our shows mm-hmm. because that is, well, caffeine and alcohol. Yes. Because he is Irish. Come on, let's be honest. It's a, it's an Irish coffee. <laughs> well, depending on the show, it's sometimes a bottle of wine to get me through some of the edits we've had to do. <laughs> yes, that's true. But we started a Patreon and we would love for you to support because you can support in multiple ways. You can support us over on Patreon, but it's a single, a dollar, a euro, anything you can give. Cal- Helps us kind of just keep going, keep the servers alive, and uh, it's always fantastic to have your support there. But you can also support in other ways by sharing the podcast, leaving a like, leaving a review. Uh, go to iTunes, go to uh, Google Podcasts, go to Stitcher, go wherever we are, and give us a five star review because you know what? It helps more people find us as we go into 2020 and we are covering some amazing things in 2020. Oh, oh, watch this space. That's all I can say. Well, this podcast very specifically because that's what we're going to be talking about here. <laughs> yes, exactly. So listen to this podcast in full. But just to reel back to uh, Patreon as well, because um, we have had uh, a number of people now um contributes which is really really good mm-hmm. of them really really kind and generous and we thank you uh so much uh for that support in terms of the domain spaces that we do in terms of upgrading particular bits of equipment uh it really really does help uh and of course we uh do like to set our bar uh low so if, for only one dollar you can get a shout out so a big thanks to uh these people for subscribing in their various amounts uh steve amy ken osin claire and Stuart, all in the latter half of 2019, uh, came over to Patreon, to TV Podcast Industries on Patreon, to support us uh, and our production of this podcast, as well as Into the Night, a Moon Night podcast. So mm-hmm. it's great to get support from our fellow listeners, as well as some fellow podcasters as well uh, over in Australia with Into the Night. So a big thank you uh, for your contributions. Absolutely. Thank you so much to everybody for your support. Yes, thank you so much for your support. As always, it keeps the lights on. It just means a lot to us. Um, yes, it, 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 it gratifies the, the nerds in us that you enjoy listening to us uh, discuss uh, our shows. Absolutely. And as Chris said, we only just set this up very late in uh, 2019. We're hoping to add a few more tiers during the course of this year. And we'll talk, possibly talk about one of those towards the end of the episode as well. Ooh, you got to listen to the end. Guys, let's get into it. We've got lots and lots to talk about. We will be going spoiler-filled-ish into our discussions. So if you haven't seen any of the shows, you might get a little bit of spoilers, but we're not going to spoil specific major plot moments because we did that on the podcast originally, right? So we're just going to give general thoughts on the shows that we covered. Uh, John and Chris, let's uh, let's first kick off with the first show that we did on TV Podcast Industries in 2019, which was Gotham Season 5. Um, right now, definitely the final season of Gotham. Uh, this is what kicked <laughs> us off uh, to begin on our podcast uh, f- over five years ago now, because it's season five. So we kicked off probably six years ago uh, with our starting coverage of Gotham. And we came into the year on the 3rd of January knowing 
that this was the final time all of this cast was going to be together with the creators of the show. And kind of that's how we, we've approached it, really. Yeah, I think Gotham was definitely, you know, it was a Marmite kind of show. You loved it or you hated it. I think the initial promise that it was going to be sort of, you know, dark, moody, detective-y, um, a bit like the Christopher Nolan uh, film series. Ultimately, it was something that um, was was attempted uh, and uh, it, it moved on. And, of course, uh, it, it became a really interesting and heady mix of that, but also of uh, nods to uh, Batman 66 and, and so on. So, uh, for me, I, I love this heady mix of Nolan, Batman 66, uh, and you know, nipple busting Batman suits, uh, sort of the, the, the influence of, of all of that. And of course, I think with season five, it was only 12 episodes. It got two extra. Um, so it was only supposed to be 10 episodes in, in total, but the, those extra two just gave us, they, they kind of just went off, um, and explored a few sort of, um, parallel areas. I think one was with, uh, Harvey Bullock, who has been there from the start. And I, I found them really good. They didn't, mm-hmm. uh, roll with the, the full overarching arc here uh, of Gotham season five. And so it was quite nice just having that moment of coming out of that, um, at various points through the series of, of this final season. Um, but ultimately, you know, this season culminated in um the cape and cowl being worn by bruce wayne and i i think that's a fitting end for it um i think certainly a lot of people would love to see the show go on but it would now only go on in a you know a batman world and i kind of like the fact that they explored um Gotham before Batman. I, I think uh, there were some really interesting ideas, some really interesting concepts, uh, and, and ultimately, I enjoyed the the mix that they had settled on um, of being sort of crazy, off the wall, and um, hyper real, but also with um, looking at the dark underbelly of Gotham, not shying away from the the violence of of Gotham. So, yeah, for me, this was a, a great great closeout for for the series and of course it, you know it links to one of our other uh, new shows that we covered uh, later on this year as well so you know it's it's been kept alive in that sense yeah absolutely chris i'm conscious that i know you didn't actually catch up to gotham season five so um so unfortunately not a, not a huge amount that i know you can say about this unfortunately no yeah like so i think i think you kind of best said it when you said it was marmite um like for me i went in thinking one thing at the, like it was going to be x and then by end of season i i can't even remember i think it was like end of season two i was a bit like this is an investment this is something i'm not a hundred percent into i'm now uh from all of our discussions off air i am very much okay I, i'm going to catch up it's all on netflix it's there it's going to be one of those there's a lot of good tv at the moment um so for me it's no, it, it's going to be one that I know is going to, I will enjoy, I will get back to. It's just finding the time. Um, but I, I, I think they ended in a good way from all my discussions with you, from looking at Twitter. Um, it, 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 it gave what it wanted. It, it, it finished on a high note. 
Um, yeah, it was interesting. I think the biggest compliment I'd probably give to Gotham is uh, because it was a 22-episode show based in the universe of Gotham, based in the universe of, of the Batman before he was there, they really did have the opportunity to explore way telling the story. And, and you could really tell some kind of imprint from a particular writer coming on board and writing their episode and a particular director coming on board. We don't do 22-episode shows typically on here. And I think the final season, the one struggle I'd say it actually had was kind of fighting with the audience who wanted it to tell a great story and didn't want it to end at the same time. So um, so half of the audience really excited about them getting the two extra episodes, but those two extra episodes didn't propel the story towards its end. Therefore, they were they were criticized for it, you know? Um, I really enjoyed spending these final 12 hours with what we got and with everybody that was available. I believe we knew all, I suppose we knew all of the background stuff. We were uh, doing interviews with some of the cast. We'd been to conventions with, with people involved in the show. And because of knowing all the background stuff, sometimes that informs your opinion of the show. Um, we know, for example, a lot of the cast had, had released their uh, rentals in New York that they were keeping there for the four years of the show. So to get them back for the final season, they were in temporary accommodation again, you know, so they couldn't be there every single day. So they had to write around that. Uh, that changes your season. That changes the final season of the show. So um, all I can say is I really appreciate it what we got in Gotham season five. And I'm really happy we did get a Gotham season five. Yeah. I, I think as well, you know, we, we met an awful lot of great fans mm-hmm. of, of this show. Um, and it kind of, it, it, it's that weekly 22 episodes, you know, it reminds me of the Star Trek episodes back in the nineties, Star Trek next generation. Mm-hmm. And, and it builds up a following. Um, I'm not saying it was huge, but you know, when you contrast that with, um, some of the Marvel Netflix stuff that we covered where it was all uh, dumped uh, in one go uh, and you get that initial buzz and then you lose the buzz of those shows uh, as time moves on. Whereas with Gotham, you you know, each week you're coming back to it, yeah. having that moment with people on Twitter, on Facebook as you're covering the show. You are releasing on a weekly basis and, and I think... Um, you know, that, that really helped just build a community, which, you know, going to, uh, fan conventions, mm-hmm. to comic cons, uh, since we started Gotham, yes, there's a lot of Marvel fans out there. Yes, there are people dressed as Daredevil, but the, the sense of a defenders community around those four characters, um, in, uh, in Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Daredevil, and Iron Fist, it didn't feel as cohesive, I, I, I think. I don't think we were involved in it as much, yeah. I think when those, shows, when those shows dropped on Netflix, we did our podcast and the fans rallied in a different way, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. But we could probably talk about Gotham for the rest of the podcast. We talked about it for over 150 episodes, I think. Uh, 146 episodes uh, for, for the podcast. I know we didn't reach 150 because the show only ran 100. Um, so we could probably continue to talk about that. But that would leave Chris out of the podcast completely, unfortunately. Oh, so I can get a coffee. <laughs> well, during the time that Gotham was on, it went on from the 3rd of, of uh, January up until uh, the end of April. During that time, we also covered a second show with you, Chris. Uh, probably one of your more um, favorite characters of, of Marvel Comics, um, particularly the Garth Ennis run of Punisher is one of your favorites. We went yeah. to Punisher Season 2, which started in January. Yeah, uh, and it went in January, and I think we actually finished it by mid-March when mm-hmm. we got it. Uh, full 13 episodes dropped on the 19th of Jan. 
Um, and it was an interesting run, I think is probably, we weren't sure where this was going to go. Um, uh, they had finished season one in a very, uh, in a, a very cohesive story way. Um, like micro was gone or micro had been kind of fixed. Um, uh, like Frank himself as the, the uh, John Bertal as Frank Castle, the Punisher, his story was starting to close down. Um, the, uh, the, the FBI that was tracking him. Um, that was that a lot, all the, the story beats from season one, aside from one character had been pretty much closed down. And we weren't sure where this was going to go in season two. There, there, there was a character that they created, which was kind of a, a slightly amalgam of a couple of comic book characters. Um, but we called him the man in black, the preacher, the, the, the minister. We, the multiple kind of names we gave him. Um, and that was an interesting thing. You don't usually do that with a comic book show because you have so many characters usually you can call upon. Um, it was definitely an interesting take. I think it wasn't one of our favorite shows. It definitely ended strangely. Um, if you remember, it was the warehouse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to talk about that myself. Yeah. Um, I think the ending kind of tarnished the show, uh, for me yeah. quite a bit and how it closed out the season. To be honest, I think it's probably the best performance that I've seen from John Berntal. I'm a fan of his right back from his days on Walking Dead. And I think he was born to play the role of Van Castle. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Um, for me, the show, it's, it's, it's purely me. The show itself is a very violent show about a vigilante who runs around killing people. Um, that's not my type of TV show to watch. So I did struggle through season two and, and parts. Um, the violence in it is quite significant in some of the episodes. Um, I'm fine violence in general. But oh yeah. The, the gym scene. Exactly. Yeah. That scene in episode six or seven, uh, was a bit of a turnoff for me on the show itself. But when we got to the f- finale of the show and that final goodbye from Frank, I think that had kind of, uh, put the nails in the show for me. No, there are. Uh, fellow defenders that think this is one of the best shows that uh, was produced by Netflix and it surely was true to the material it was very very similar to what you would read in uh, some of the much more adult versions of The Punisher uh, I'm not talking about his appearances uh, it's a very different character in there but uh, some <laughs> of the Garth Ennis and the, and the Marvel Max um, versions of Punisher which again aren't my favourite um, it's definitely very true to that yeah I mean like I th- I, I would agree I, I really enjoyed the, the first two or three four episodes of this show where it was in it wasn't in new york that's right it, it was you you kind of had the butch cassie and the sundance kids stand off at the local sheriffs between uh the punisher uh who was protecting the girl who was being chased by the man in black mm-hmm. um you had uh frank castle in in the bar you know meeting her and and, and everything going on there and I really enjoyed that kind of Frank Castle on the road. Yeah. Um, you know, it almost felt like, um, the, you know, with the Hulk, with Bruce Banner having to move on from different places mm-hmm. from the TV show back in the eighties, um, where he had to move on, you know, to protect his identity. And I, I really enjoyed that kind of vibe of those first, I think two or three episodes. And then we got to New York and it felt like then, it just defaulted back to what happens and it, and that's where I kind of, um, 
just kind of checked out a little on, on the Punisher. Yeah. Um, although I really enjoyed the, the Dina Madani, uh, moment as well. Uh, just her battling with everything that had happened. She also got a new sidekick who was really, really good. Um, and, and I, I liked that dynamic there. I felt in New York that was the thing that kind of really grasped me. Um, but then it got all a bit too, um, sort of mixed up with the, the whole, the man in black and his sponsors and what they were doing. And we, we didn't really find out enough about their motivation to really understand why then they had just decided to paint that target on the back of Frank Castle. Uh, plus we had the, um, the, the return of one of, you know, the main bad from season one who was stalking Dina Madani. And but I, I found that really interesting, but they didn't really come together, uh, for me, um, which was a shame mm-hmm. because I, I do, I agree. I think John Bernthal really good as the Punisher. And yeah. to be honest, I like the fact that they didn't shy away from the Uber violence because ultimately, you know, the Punisher does have that, dare I say, in his arsenal. Uh, And sometimes that can just be, um, you know, washed away if you're not careful. Absolutely. I I just think it's sometimes quite difficult for me to um, empathize with a character that will shoot somebody in the head when they've done nothing. Um, Because there's a couple of instances of that in the show where he's he's generally quite good at it, but there's a couple of instances in the show where people say, I don't know anything, and he kills them and walks away. And you're kind of going, I kind of need a little bit more definition. Um, definitely because at times he was very black and white in I'll kill you I won't and other times it was a bit grey as to why he would kill that particular person so maybe that was just me again Um, anything else on The Punisher season 2 Chris no I want to move on to potentially one of the first shows where we all started going oh my god this is amazing and great discussions (laughs) Uh, let's talk about Good Omens our first Amazon Prime TV show uh, yes. That we covered on this, uh, where we started talking about uh, angels and demons. Yes, I have to say this was um, this is up there with one of my favourite shows of of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the absolute the the writing, the context, the situation provided by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. I love the you know ultimately the twist of the story of the angel and demon in the Garden of Eden and how actually you know they ultimately they they've got a job to do being given by their superiors in heaven and hell respectively, but also they just want that quiet life and they kind of want to get along. And because they've spent so much time on Earth trying to you know bring about evil or bring about good that actually they've gotten so used to one another mm-hmm. that actually, you know, the, the, there's a friendship there. Uh, and, and that then you have the twist with uh, the coming of the, of Armageddon. And again, the portrayal of Aziraphale and of Crowley uh, by David Tennant and Michael Sheen mm-hmm. It is just their chemistry. And I loved podcasting about it. It was funny. You know, there were moments of sadness and pathos. Um, it was crazily um, eccentric and coming from Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. And it was just superb. So for me, it's absolute standout. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump in before Derek has his word. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, David Tennant for me, just oh, Michael Sheen. 
just amazing. Um, the the cast, John Hamm, it, it it was spectacular. It was short. It was sweet. It was to the point. Mm. Um, it was a nice self-contained little piece of fun. Um, and I, I highly recommend if you have not seen this, if you didn't catch along or to get a chance to, uh, watch and listen to our, uh, recording of this while watching the show, go back. It's sitting there in prime. It's ready for you. Um, even better yeah, news. If be you don't fantastic. have Amazon prime, it uh, comes out on the B as of the 15th of January. Um, all six episodes airing on the BBC uh, weekly. That was supposed to happen earlier on in the year, but I think they actually invested in a bit too much major content uh, production that they that they were doing on the BBC, so they couldn't find a slot for this show uh, earlier on in the year. So uh, they decided to put a little bit later than we thought. So our episode-by-episode discussions are obviously available on TV podcast industries as well. So hopefully uh, you'll catch the show because it is based on one of my favourite books. Um, I'm a big, big fan of Neil Gaiman. I was reading Terry Pratchett at the time when uh, they decided to collaborate on the original book. So um, they have done a fantastic job of translating it to the screen. I do think... As John mentioned, and as you mentioned, Chris, both of the main actors here show the love story between these two characters, show these two people on the opposite sides of a war, effectively, who have absolutely created this relationship with each other. Um, I absolutely love the fan reaction to it because it's certainly something you don't get if you read a book. You don't really see the fan reaction as you would see on a TV show like this. Um, it's been fantastic. People have just absolutely embraced Aziraphale and Crowley um, as these epic characters uh, i also loved the kids that were in the show and all the other yeah. supporting cast that were in there were fantastic brilliant casting uh, for each of them and in, and in a six episode show they really have delivered one of my favorite things from 2019 as well yeah um I, there's not much more we can say about it there's loads more we have six full episodes <laughs> <laughs> yes that is quite true there is seven episodes of this beautiful show for you to listen to but from one david tennant Fantastic role to another, but he wasn't there. It was <laughs> at least he was there in spirit, if you will. Yeah. Back in June, two days after we uh, finished talking about Good Omens, we kicked off with um, my namesake's last entry into uh, the uh, Marvel universe, mm-hmm. or at least say the Marvel TV Netflix universe. Uh, Jessica Jones season three, thirteen episodes dropped on the fourteenth of June. Just in time for my birthday. That's all on purpose, um, Chris. All, all on purpose from your cousin, Jessica Jones. <laughs> it was, yes, of course. Uh, Kristen Ritter uh, once again donned her jeans, her boots, and her leather jacket to give us a, uh, I would, how do we put this? A fond farewell? This was this was the final uh, Defenders series on Netflix, so the the end of an era really for um for all of us who were looking at the show and watching all of the Defenders shows as we went. Um, I really do think that this was one of the best they'd done. Um, there was a feeling towards the end of the series uh, that they knew it was coming. Uh, unlike all the rest of the shows, Luke Cage, um, Daredevil, Iron Fist and Punisher all got cancelled without them knowing this was the final series. It felt like Jessica Jones did a good a good job of wrapping up in the last two episodes uh, and ending off the show uh, with some special guest appearances in there towards the end as well. Um, it felt like a yeah. fond farewell, but the show itself was so much more confident in a story that it wanted to tell than Jessica Jones season two, which we all kind of felt was a bit of a letdown for us uh, after the, what I think probably was the best 
of all of the shows. That's probably a bit more personal opinion. Or a lot of people feel that Daredevil was was the better show. Uh, to me, Jessica Jones was my favorite of the shows. Um, and to to go down in quality in season two and then come back up in season three to have one of my uh, another one of my favorite shows. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it really was up there with season one for me. I think I still much prefer season one and just my own kind of side of it. But I think what I really liked um, with Jessica Jones season three is it it felt like a kind of a contrast to season one in that, you know, season one had all of Jessica friends coming together um, because she was being... um, attacked she was being controlled by um you know the purple man played by david tennant um and here it felt like the fragmentation of her well didn't feel like it was the fragmentation of all her relationships that she had had that she had relied upon and i i did actually like the fact that it utilized season two um to kick that off because of the death of her mother or the murder of her mother from at the end of season two and just how that really it, it felt like they take something good out of season two and really ran with it and really made it um sort of this um bleak look at jessica's sort of destruction of her friendships and relationships mm-hmm. um whilst also introducing a really interesting new man into the life of jessica jones uh, as well who was you know super powered uh, but i i really enjoyed that look at seeing her you know best friend really go awol and her having to deal with that whilst at the same time it, it very much retained that pi element from the season one as well looking at this serial killer so yeah really enjoyed season three i think it was just a shame that it was the final one of the Marvel Netflix because I, I think, you know, when Marvel Netflix came out, it was everything being released at once and you're like going, oh, wow, this is amazing. I think covering Gotham, covering Pennyworth, as well as with um, Watchmen as well, um, that release on a weekly basis to me um, ultimately feels a more sustainable thing it keeps the conversation going longer mm-hmm. it keeps the audience engaged for longer and um, and it probably means that people if they do really want to watch it will watch it on that week's basis they have that time to digest the episodes and i i just feel that you know i think you could really see the slide off from jessica jones season three which was a real shame because i really really enjoyed it i thought it was a really great series mm-hmm. it's one of the things seeing the numbers for downloads for our episodes um jessica jones seems to be one that people are still coming to quite regularly um we're seeing still people downloading episodes of jessica jones which we finished back in july uh, and coming in in good numbers listening to uh, those episodes the final episodes we did for defenders tv podcast uh, but you're right john the introduction of gregory salinger as the bad guy during uh during this season and eric gelden as kind of a a, a gray character someone that you didn't know whether they were good or bad as the foil for jessica jones were really interesting additions this season jillian uh in the office uh being the uh, yeah giving some great yeah. one-liners all throughout the episodes throughout the season uh, there are loads of elements i'd love to have seen more of uh, in the following season but i do think they did a great job of uh, pulling up the bootstraps from season two which felt 
you know, I hate to say it, but a little bit lazy at times as a storyline. Everybody knew where it was going and it kind of was spinning the wheels to get those 13 episodes out there. Um, something that is leveled as a criticism towards a lot of the Netflix shows, unwarranted most of the time. Um, but if you know where you're going in episode four and the series ends in episode 13 and it's pretty much exactly where you knew it was going, you probably need a better storyline. You know, you probably need a stronger storyline. So. I think they achieved that with Jessica Jones season three. But to your point, John, wouldn't it have been wonderful if they'd been able to end the relationship with all five of these Marvel Netflix characters coming together in a, in a Defenders season two? You know, that would have been a nice ending and feel much more epic than a show that not everybody watched being the final moment that we see a character like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones on screen together, you know? Um, hopefully you never know. Disney plus is coming. They own the rights of these characters. There's only about three or four years left for these contracts to expire completely from Netflix. So you never know. We may see these characters in future in TV or uh, in the movies. I, I'm, I'm hoping. Um, I know uh, there was always that thought that potentially they may turn up in um, in Avengers Endgame as a nice nod. But it, it, it was, yeah, it was, th- it was that. It was a, it was a nice dream. Um, but yeah, I think the potential. I think we will potentially see them in the future on Disney Plus, but I think it's going to take time for it will take Disney time to let memories dissipate so that they can have their own version of a Daredevil. Yeah, I, th- I think the chances that we'll actually see these actors come back and reprise the roles in any major capacity is probably low, uh, but we may see cameos in future. That would be kind of cool. Yes, probably a better way to put it. Yes. Another one, sadly, Chris, you probably don't have a huge amount of opinion about, um, because I'm not sure you were even able to see the this nope. next show that we covered. Um, myself and John moved on to Pennyworth season one, which uh, you've mentioned a little bit, John. Um, this is a show that was on a reasonably new channel, a channel that's starting to invest in TV shows uh, over in the US called Epics. Pennyworth was from the creators of Gotham, Bruno Heller and Daddy Cannon. Um, so myself and John decided that we'd cover it as our kind of sequel series to Gotham as well. What we got was 10 episodes of, I think, completely unexpected show. Um, yeah. Would that be a, a fair assessment, John? I think it, it, it warmed up. I think the first second episode, I was kind of like, okay, what what are they doing here? Mm. Um, But it just went into this lovely... Um, weird, wonderful craziness mix and match, um, of, of styles and it, it, it was really, again, interesting. I, I think the point is, is that it's not CW for me. I mean, basically for me, most of the CW shows, I watch them, I really like them. But they kind of merge into one. You you could have any one of the protagonists in those shows be in another show, which is what they effectively do with the the um the big event crossovers. Um, but they they they're written. Everything feels the same in the background, except for their origin story. Here, it's a mixing of styles. You know, you're in London here, uh, where you had kind of the swinging sixties going on. Still had medieval times going on. You still had a powerful monarch. It was coming from medieval times, steampunk Victorian, swinging 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do they have, they have cars, don't have mobile phones, uh, they have computers or, you know, it, it's just a, a really, um, 
this mishmash of different styles, but just weirdly one that works for, you know, and, and gels together. Mm-hmm. They actually did have a car phone at one point in an episode. So they were taking bits from loads of different eras and putting them together. It just felt like a real surprise. It came out of the gate with an absolutely wonderful performance by Paloma Faith yeah, in the first episode. That opening scene even grabbed you enough to kind of get you through quite a heavy dump of um, exposition. Uh, in the first episode of where we are, what the what the DC universe in London would look like, um, you think we kind of thought this was going to be a historical drama set in historical London, and then when you kind of saw a few interviews with uh, the people behind it, they kind of said, "Yeah, but it's not going to be London as you know it. It's going to be London as DC Comics would write London in the '60s." So of course, there's going to be things a little bit different, and things are a bit weird, and things are a bit steampunky, as you say, John. Um, that that was a really cool revelation. And as the series went on, it wasn't just the first three episodes and then it got better. It felt like episode four was better and then episode five yeah. and then episode six. And by the end of the series, episode 10 was the best episode of the series. Um, Really, really enjoyable first season. Uh, season two starts filming this month uh, in the UK. So uh, we are getting a season two of the show and we'll be covering it on TV Podcast Industries later this year. Yeah, I, I think the other thing here was, as you say, Paloma Faith, absolute standout. But at, at the same time, you know, you had um, the the support of her her sister Peggy, mm-hmm. um, and also had the, the the Spicers, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Spicer, who were sort of were they prisoners of Paloma Faith's character and and her sister, or were they their butlers? <laughs> but they would sort of invariably be in sort of gimpy uh, masks and you know, being used as footstools mm-hmm. and fairly being treated, you know, badly. Um, and it was kind of an interesting take, but it was one that was kind of really good. And then around Alfred, you know, you had um, both Baz and uh, Davy Boy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- th- these two characters, and they really sort of elevated Alfred Pennyworth. Um, as well, just that back history of them in the army, sort of working with Alfred on his sort of, uh, new security business that he is, is working on. And I think the supporting characters here were really good. You know, yeah. you had, um, the Ripper as well, a, a sort of a nod to Jack the Ripper, uh, played really nicely. You had this kind of author, authoritarian rule uh, and just the, the, you know, that, that chaos of, um, sort of authoritarian politics of like the 1930s with a nod to Nazism, communism, capitalism, all this kind of yeah. isms and the melting pot that that provides. So yeah, really, really, um, interesting. Yeah. I, I like that the Ripper family had survived from the 1800s and now a formidable gang in London. I think that was a really cool, uh, idea that was going on throughout the show. The supporting cast were fantastic, but let's, for, let's not forget the main cast, the, only people that you knew were going to be in the show, Alfred Thomas and Martha Wayne, or Thomas and Martha Kane, I suppose, at the time. Um, all of those performances were really, really good. We got hashtag Bat Daddy from the appearance of Thomas Wayne in the show, because everybody seems to love him from his appearance on uh, Fleabag as well. The actor that was in Fleabag plays Thomas Wayne here. Um, so that was really good fun. Uh, Jack Bannon's performance as um, as Alfred was really good. You know, after loving Sean Pertry's version of the character on TV for five seasons, uh, found it difficult to accept anybody new in the role, but he did a good Cockney London, Cockney Geezer, you know? Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, and after, you know, three or four episodes, really settled into the role. So really excited to see what we're going to see in season two, because we don't even know what characters are going to be there in season two. So uh, be really intrigued to see what comes out of that. 
Season two is confirmed for later this year. Yes, season two is is filming or will be filming in the next couple of weeks uh, in the UK. So we will be seeing it towards probably July or, or August uh, later on this year, waiting for an announcement on that. Nice. Very nice. There you go. There you go. But that moves us on to uh, a show I, I do have a lot to talk about. <laughs> um in July, July 26th to be exact, a, a, a full season of Amazon Prime, The Boys season mm. one dropped, uh, eight episodes and boy was it, uh, who The Boys based on a dynamite property, uh, was a comic about what happens when, uh, when you, what happens if real world people were given superhero powers? What happens when the, um, the a-holes, the annoying, the, uh, the terrible, what happens when bad people have powers? Yeah, season one of the boys, um, gentlemen, come on. What did, like, I, I, I still think this was one of my favorite. Uh, pieces we've covered all year. Uh, obviously, there was one other show that we covered, which is my favorite, but this was probably a close second. Absolutely. This was such a great revelation and such a good fun, I suppose. Yeah. We, we cover a lot of quite serious adult comic book shows, lots of shows that are bidding to be the most adult comic book show, the one that's made for adults and not for kids. You know, that was kind of the modus operandi of all of the Netflix shows send the kids to the cinema and while they're there you can sit at home and watch Daredevil because it's made for adults not for the kids you know uh, that kind of stuff the boys is absolutely set right there for anybody who is an adult and loves to see violent stuff on TV and loves to see adult jokes um it's right there they've done a great job of of translating Garth Ennis's comic book into an excellent series for Amazon Prime it really just from coming out of the gates in episode 1 right through to the end uh, there's some great violent funny moments but there's also lots of really good heart to the show as well. Um, it's one of the things that was probably quite surprising as we went through the show. I was kind of expecting, you know, uh, lots of fart jokes throughout the show and lots of exploding heads with all the violence. We got all that, but we also got some really good moments with the characters as well. They wrote them really, really well. Uh, it came to us from Steve Kripke, who was the original creator of uh, of Supernatural. Um, the first five or six seasons of that show with him as the showrunner were just fantastic. Like He really has a great grasp on how you keep a show going, even if you don't have the massive budget to have a movie on screen every week. And it also shows here where he does have the budget to have a movie on screen every week. He can also do really good character interactions as well. So uh, I think it was a really, really good show. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, you know, it was uber violent, but, and it, it was, um, on the nose. It was, um, toilet humor. It was, um, you know, adult humor. But I also thought it was really well balanced because underlying all of this was some really interesting themes. And I think as well, there's some really standout performances. They were all great, don't get me wrong, but I loved Homelander, just the menace he provided, his relationship with um with Queen Maeve, his relationship ultimately with Madeline Stilwell as well. Just so, so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what an antagonist to, to have. And I think Anthony Starr plays him really, really well. I think I called that out on a number of episodes. I think Billy Butcher as well then with the boys, you know, this guy who has his own agenda and really probably even though um, the, the likes of Mother's Milk, uh, as well as, um, Huey Campbell, uh, and Frenchie, even though they kind of, well, I think Huey Campbell learns that Carl Urban is not 
really helping him. He's out for himself. Mm-hmm. And I think Frenchie and Mother's Milk, you know, soon realize that he's defaulted back to what he normally does, which is that he, he's doing it for himself here. Uh, but I think Billy Butcher with Carl Urban, I just think he played it really, really well. That seething anger about what he thinks to be the death of uh, and, and, and rape of his wife uh, by Homelander. Uh, and also the cover up by, um, the, the corporation. And of course, just how that plays out in terms of his motivations and how he keeps the others in the dark, uh, just really, really nicely. And then of course, the deep, um, played by Chase Crawford has some amazingly funny scenes. And yet at the same time, it is this descent, uh, of, Someone who, you know, you start the series, he is kind of the most popular guy. You know, he's good looking. He, he plays it to the camera really well. Uh, and by the end of it, he's kind of been sidelined by the corporation. Uh, and he's, he's in a hotel somewhere in the Midwest opening up, um, I don't know, a pet shop or something <laughs> like that or, or some kind of, uh, aquatic world just being kept out of the way, uh, by Vought Corporation, um, just so that he doesn't mess it up again. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and try and be hmm. the, the one that overshadows Homelander. You know, again, they have a great meeting, um, around their sort of, big corporate table at the top of Vought uh, Industries uh, where they are, you know, Homelander realizes this guy is kind of a loose cannon in the end and just the menace from him. And again, another excellent moment for Anthony Starr. So yeah, I I loved this as well. One of my top uh, shows for this this year. Yeah, without a doubt. And season two is filming as we speak. We have already been given a short teaser trailer um, for season two, uh, which I assume will probably come out around the same time in 2020. So we can assume potentially July. Yeah, I believe our Kripke actually said he wanted to come out one year later from when the first show dropped. So, uh, so hopefully we'll see it exactly one day, one year later on the day. Um, I, I know there's some wonderful characters. I know Chris, you want to talk a little bit more about this as well, but, um, the female characters in the show, even though it's the boys, it kind of hides the fact that we have some great female characters in there. Madeline Stillwell throughout the series was fantastic. I loved Queen Maeve. Um, Starlight was wonderful in yeah, the show. Definitely. And then the final appearance of, the female when she finally arrives in the show someone that isn't named until uh, later on in the series um she is fantastic and totally stands toe to toe to the boys surrounding her so uh so while it does seem like a show for the guys that there's loads of great characters in there uh, as well for everybody really so um so i'm hoping that they're able to stick the landing with season two of this show um i know there's many many comic books to draw on uh it went for what 65 issues something like that 60 or 70 issues so loads of story left to go uh, that they can explore in season two yes um and for those who have read the comics uh, there are rumors right now that they will be um adapting the hero gasm arc for season okay. two um for those who've read the comics you will know what i'm talking about for those who haven't you're in for a treat. Excellent. Um, but gentlemen, that brings us to the final show we covered for 2019. Um, potentially all of our favorite show of 2019, but I'll, uh, definitely my favorite show of 2019. We don't need to get into it too much because our listeners can literally jump back one episode, uh-huh. um, and hear our thoughts and feedback. 
to uh, what we all thought of The Watchmen. Uh, but yes, The Watchmen dropped in 2019. Um, d- definitely an interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what more to say. This is this is a f- it was a fantastic um, imagining uh, sequel. I wouldn't say reimagining. I can't even say that. It's a sequel to the comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, and fantastic acting, uh, fantastic effects, uh, fantastic writing, fantastic production, eye opening from a historical point of view. Um, it, it definitely hit through the zeitgeist to uh, spill out from more the traditional comic book universes. And we had a lot of people talking about this. It even made Barack Obama, ex-president, previous president of the United States of America's favorite films of 2019. And he even clarified, yes, it wasn't a film, but it could have been because it was that impactful. Now, in fairness, he did, he did have a list of five TV shows that he really liked, and, and Watchmen was one of them, definitely. He uh, he seemed to really enjoy it. But everybody I have spoken to who's watched throughout the series has enjoyed it. But it did take a lot of work. Um, it's certainly not a show that you can you can sit down and understand every moment of it from the beginning of the series until the end of it. Um, it's asking for its audience to really pay attention to what's going on. And that's difficult when you're not being given a lot of uh, answers to the questions that are being posed every episode, you know. Um, this is a, a key component of what Damon Lindelof does uh, in his shows. He's asking the audience to watch every episode, maybe multiple times before the next episode comes out. Um, and his team here put together this really good, intriguing storyline that didn't make you wait too long. It really was only about two or three episodes before we started getting big answers to things that were set up by the show itself. Uh, and once you get into about three or four episodes, I think you're probably um, tipped over the edge and, and go racing towards one of, I think, the best endings to a TV show we've seen this year as well. Um, you know, if this if this be only one series, uh, I think they've done a fantastic job. I'm, I'm I keep thinking about this show. I keep reading stuff about it. I keep um, listening to this to the awesome soundtrack by by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, uh, which I think is one of the best uh, TV. Uh, soundtracks of the year as well it's an absolutely brilliant soundtrack the three volumes that have been put out um but i can't stop thinking about the show i know we only finished it just before christmas and it's part of the reason why we're a little bit later doing this episode than we had wanted to be but we dedicated 18 episodes of our podcast purely about watchmen because we in we're enjoying talking about it as much as we were that's you know that's almost 40 hours of podcasting uh, plus all the extra stuff that we do around podcasting you know so uh, we clearly enjoyed the show yeah i mean for me i this uh, was a revelation i i really liked watchmen the comic series um i'm not entirely sure whether it is you know my favorite it's very you know i've had to read it a number of times to really get to grasp with it it can come across on first read as quite impenetrable mm-hmm. um and so for me that is a difficult task you know you you have um at least one of the lead creators um obviously not wanting to participate uh, in this um in terms of alan moore and um, obviously dave gibbons was heavily involved with this but i think what Lindelof and, and the writers' room did. I think they've done a real worthy um, follow-on mm-hmm. um, of and continuation of the Watchmen story. You know, using characters from that um, twelve-issue comic series uh, and um, having them still 
um, impacting the world today whilst introducing a new set of people that have been influenced, distraught, uh, or, um, you know, in their own good or twisted ways, um, such as with the Seventh Cavalry, inspired by what the original Watchmen, uh, ha- have done. And I, th- I think every, it was so layered. There was so much meaning, so much attention to detail. I think there is, um, you know, so much, um, intrigue, so much doubting yourself. You know, you're there wondering whether, uh, Angela Abar actually is a, you know, is she a bad nar- narrator here? Is she the evil one? You know, uh, is Judd Crawford really a member of the Seventh Cavalry and white supremacist, or is this sort of a plant? And uh, what is Lady True doing? That there's so many questions being asked that even when the answer is given to a whole host of different things, um, you're still thinking, well, we need more answers. Uh, and then you have, um, you know, Jeremy Irons, uh, on his moon orbiting Jupiter, which again, you know, just because of the way it plays out in the build-up, you're going, well, is this really Adrian Vice or is it not? And of course, in reality, it, yes, of course it was. Um, it, it's not that twisty turny. Um, and you just get an awful lot of great moments here. Um, and, and new characters, a richness of the material is evident by the richness and detail and layering that was able to be done for these eight episodes of, of the series. So for me, absolutely uh, a great one to watch and a great one to return to to watch again. Definitely, definitely. Um, other recommendations, if you have not seen it, I will say it once again. See The Leftovers, a three series of that show out there. It's a very, very good show. I still think Watchmen's probably just pushed it over the edge by that finale, to be honest. Um, but there's three seasons out there, so we may not ever see any more Watchmen. But if you want to see another great show, that's more of my complaint, I suppose, about not getting a season two of Watchmen. This was so good, thinking that there's nothing on the horizon in 2020 that might be as good as this is a little bit depressing. So go see The Leftovers if you if you want something as good as The Watchmen or in that ballpark, I suppose. Yes, but... On to something else, because there is so much amazing TV that we have not covered because we, as we said, we already, we did how many episodes this year alone? Uh, 80, 82 about TV. 82, just about TV. Um, yes. So that is more than one a week. Um, uh, because you know, we, we like to give ourselves, uh, heart attacks. And we'd like to keep Derek locked and chained to uh, a production desk. Mm-hmm. But there is hundreds of other TV shows that we couldn't cover. So what we did, we up on our group on facebook.com slash group slash TV podcast industry. We asked you what were some of your favorite TVs that we didn't cover in 2019. And we did get a list. Oh boy, did we get a list. Uh, Derek added some, but then you added, you, the fellow defenders, the fellow Gothamites, the fellow everyone, the fellow TV podcast industrians, industrians? Industrialists. Industrialists, yes, we could, we can work at workshop all that better. But you did give us some of your thoughts. Um, I was trying to think about how to run through this. Um, but I was thinking of giving the top five and then maybe pulling out a few more. Um, how do you want, does that sound good to everyone? Mm-hmm. Happy enough, yeah. Yep. Okay, so the coming in at number one, 
um, as voted by uh, Arjun, uh, The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, surprise, surprise. Uh, this was one of the biggest shows in the last, uh, as we covered Watchmen, this was the other show that everyone was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, it is definitely one that uh, is interesting. It's definitely one that I think everyone wants to see, but we just couldn't cover. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, there are decisions that we have to make, you know, with 82 episodes of uh, of TV that we talked about this year some other things had to be sacrificed we couldn't cover everything as we said and we already had the kind of commitments to finish off the defenders and uh, obviously with gotham ending and pennyworth going we were finishing and starting that but there were many choices to make this is on disney though (laughs) this is disney plus disney plus decided not to launch around the world they decided to launch in north america so um that's absolutely fine we will be hopefully uh, getting it over here on disney plus in march when uh, when it launches over here and we'll get the entire season at one go and then next year season two has already been announced to come out uh towards the end of next year so uh, if we want to fall if yeah if we want to cover mandalorian we can do it that way we can cover the entire season one and then go into season two of the mandalorian um i've heard great things about it you know it it seems to be a show that's uh, got a massive reception but my understanding is that disney plus hasn't done a huge amount of tv shows for people in that sphere the people that would be subscribing to disney for star wars and for marvel this is the only show they've done i think if I'm right, I think it's the only one that's aimed at that audience before the Marvel shows kick off towards the end of next year. So, hey, maybe we've saved ourselves a couple of bucks by not getting uh, Disney Plus in in the end of November. Um, some people might be putting it on, on pause for a couple of months waiting for the next set of shows aimed at that audience. Yes. Coming in at number two, we had Legion, um, which it actually came to an end, I believe, the end of this year. Um, uh, three seasons uh, not six seasons in a movie. Um, but no, three seasons. Uh, I have to admit, I have not watched the last season. Um, this was a huge thing for me. It's uh, myself and my, my wife loved this show, but unfortunately we couldn't catch up with season three. Um, we have it sitting there waiting. Um, but oh my God, uh, I do believe they, they ended on a high note. It's definitely a cerebral show. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite shows, actually, that I've watched over the last couple of years. Um, one of the, I suppose, interesting points was uh, what I was laying out when I put it, the list together of shows that we hadn't covered was there was only a, a certain season or so that were in the last year. Um, with Legion, I don't think there's any way we could have covered that without covering each episode of every season uh, and starting something as dense Legion in third season. Uh, it felt to me like we probably wouldn't have been able to do it. There's a great podcast out there about Legion uh, done by Podcastica uh, and Bold Move. I think uh, they, they joined together to do that one. Uh, co-production the same way we we did with uh, Good Omens and Podcastica as well. Check that out. It's a great podcast about Legion. Uh, while I absolutely love the show, I was more lost on Legion than I ever was on uh, on Watchmen. <laughs> so um, I don't know whether I could have been able to, <laughs> to form my thoughts every week and after each episode. So uh, it's certainly a brilliant show to watch. Though. Yeah, I mean, the problem for me with Legion was that I was really enjoying it. Okay, yeah, it's crazy having to keep track of everything. But then I missed a couple of, of season one. And then by the time I didn't go back to them, and then it was season two, and it was like, Okay, I have no idea what's going on now. I don't even know what happened. I would actually have to start again mm. on Legion, but it's certainly something I would have loved to have covered just because of 
probably the craziness of it and the fact that my interpretation of it would have just been totally like off the wall um, and probably wrong. But um, certainly, you know, there was some interesting nods to the multiverse and going into different dimensions yeah. that were done in very unique ways. And I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. A bit of time travel in there, a bit of uh, multidimensional space. Um, yeah, I, I think it was a fascinating show. Uh, one of the greatest tips I, sh- I was told of how to watch it is think about what this would be like if they all had guns and it was going to be a battle every single week and then they had to come up with something creative to uh, to spend the money on so they turned it into a dance money a dance number you know that kind of way that's that's how legion plays out uh per episode so sometimes it will be completely mind-bending and then by the end of the episode you go oh i totally understand that now and so yeah, really, <laughs> really enjoyable. um another one that was proposed because i propose it every year uh agents of shield season six uh, aired this year we still have not covered an episode of agents of shield uh nick fury is my favorite comic book character and uh not once have we ever talked about an episode of the show guys what's going on we, we we've talked about it just just not reviewed it how's that <laughs> yeah. that's probably a better way okay it. yeah but we don't talk, we don't review shows here chris we talk about them anyway so yes but we still have not done that for season after season of agents shield the final season of which will be coming out uh in 2020 i i think we missed the boat on that I think um we did if i think if we had covered season one then absolutely uh, we would still be here doing season six uh, and moving into the final season seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just didn't, um, at the time do it because we were, I think we were doing Gotham and the other way around, actually, it was the reason we didn't cover Agents of Shield was because we missed the first few episodes of it. Yes. And started to cover Gotham. So that was our original choice for our first ever show, which is partly why I still harbor, uh, thoughts of podcasting about it someday. <laughs> I think we could do a, a retrospective at some point. Um, it's definitely an interesting one. Uh, it, it, yes. It, it, it's had its ups and downs, hasn't it? Well, well I'll say that. I think it, it's definitely had it. The, the, each season has had some fantastic standout storylines. Um, but also some of them I've gone, oof, that was a swing and a miss. Um, I am still watching it. I'm looking forward to the season seven. Um, and definitely, it, it, it's made its own universe. Um, it, they've made, they definitely made their own choices on this. Once they decided, uh, I think probably once they were told that they would not be as tied in to the MCU, uh, as previously assumed or thought, um, I think that definitely, uh, freed them up to, to do a lot more interesting. Absolutely. I think that's the sadness of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really, isn't it? That, that they were all employed for that show thinking that they were going to be involved in, um, in the MCU, that there was going to be much tighter ties to it. Um, they've made the best of it, certainly, as the series, seasons and series went on. Um, they have made their own storylines. They didn't have to worry about the continuity of the MCU. They didn't even step over it. They didn't have to do anything at all connected to uh, the MCU as it went on. And definitely it's my favorite uh, comic book show. I'll still continue to say that uh, because it's based on characters that I love, I suppose. <laughs> yes. um, Chris, another one from you in our top five. Um, this one was your choice for last year to to cover and we just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, Jared Way's uh, Umbrella Academy. Uh, which came to Netflix season one this year. 
Um, I'm a huge fan of, um, not just, uh, my comical romance, um, but actually, uh, Jared Way as a comic book writer. Um, he's done some very unique things and this Umbrella Academy is one of, potentially one of the, the best, uh, pieces of kind of, off the wall comic booky stuff. Um, I think of the kind of, I don't know how to best put it. it. It's just a good watch. It's good fun. Um, it, it, you don't need to complete, it's not Watchmen heady. It's not Legion heady. Um, but it's not, um, as say, uh, action packed as a kind of like a Michael Bay film. Um, <laughs> so it's somewhere in between. Um, it it's fun. It's it's a good rock. You had some fantastic actors and actresses in this. Uh, you had Ellen Page, which uh, we've all loved since her Juno days. You had Tom Hopper, but you also had a fellow Irishman. Um, so it was obviously close to our heart in um, Robert Sheehan, um, who played uh, Klaus. And yeah, the, this was always just it, it's a fun uh, take on superheroes um uh, and what they would be doing what would how it would kind of kind of go if they were more of a school they were academy think x-men it's wacky it's fun it has a bit of time travel it has a bit of this it has a bit of that superpowers uh apes space um and it's in season two is in production um where they've actually um kind of gone off the beaten path a bit from uh, the comic books. So even if you've read the comic books and went, oh, I know everything, I don't need to watch this. No, do watch it because they, they moved off slightly. Um, so definitely a show. I uh, Again, timing didn't work out for us, um, but it was right, definitely right. an interesting um, Yeah, it's one of those weird ones, you know, when you look back on all the shows that have been greenlit or all the shows that have come out over the last couple of years and you realise that definitely studios were paying attention to trying to get an adult audience that were watching comic book shows into their networks. You know, uh, this was Netflix attempt at making an adult oriented TV show about superheroes, you know, another one that wasn't connected to Marvel. They will be doing loads more stuff uh, when their next Miller world project clicks, kicks off with all their content from Mark Miller. There's loads yep. of other more adult oriented comic comic books. It is interesting as we get to the end of the year after watching Watchmen, which I think I kind of was expecting just to be, what I would say standard comic adult comic for adults TV. And it ended up being something far greater. So it's kind of raised the bar for my expectations for those kind of shows in the future. I think I really, I really enjoyed umbrella Academy. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Watchmen is a yardstick, but I don't think everything needs to be measured mm -hmm. uh, against it. Um, I, but I think, uh, I, I really, I really enjoyed umbrella Academy. I think, um, you know, the the acting was really good. It was just one of those ones again that for me just fell away, not because of the quality of the the show, but because unfortunately we just had uh, so much else going on um, around that time with podcasting, um, and also you know remember uh, two thirds of uh tv podcast industries uh, moved from what, another country uh, <laughs> back to ireland yes, and yeah. so there was just it was just one of those things there's, there's so much good tv and, and and it's finding the time 
uh, in between work and everything else that goes on in life. So uh, it would be something I would love to come back to uh, on Umbrella Academy. But mm-hmm. I think at this stage, it would be for a personal thing uh, rather than for um, anything to podcast about, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Speaking about things we proposed for podcasting, uh, this is one that myself and John watched I think I watched this show twice in a weekend or twice over the course of a few days and really, really wanted to podcast about it. This is the fifth and final of the top five, I suppose, uh, shows we didn't cover. Um, years and Years uh, from Russell T. Davis, a BBC production. Uh, I think it was on HBO. It might be a co-production between the two of them. Um, top quality show from 2019. Only six episodes. Um, very political, heavy, I suppose. Very um, A very interesting take on a family throughout uh, 25 years of their life, I think, uh, if I, if I get right. Um, five, this is like a five year time jump every episode. And I think every episode I was watching it going, Oh, I wish I was podcasting this. Oh, I wish I was podcasting this. <laughs> John, definitely, we podcast it? <laughs> definitely. Um, really enjoyed this one. Obviously, Russell T. Davis, who, uh, did uh, a very English affair, did Doctor Who again, did, uh, Queer as Folk, mm-hmm. did Cucumber. The follow up to Queer's Folk, yeah. uh, really, really great writer. Um, and yeah, certainly one of those shows that it, it makes you think. Um, you know, again, it, it, it's one that's just really full of questions about the current society. And, uh, and I suppose, uh, then look through the lens of this family and their place in it as society changes, technology changes, the politics change. Um, and it, it's really, really interesting. You know, again, it's in that classic uh, British dystopian sci-fi, which I personally can watch day in, day out. For me, uh, I, I love that quality of um, British sci-fi that... Um, kind of always looks at it through the lens of a dystopia um more so than say star trek um, and and but there's positive elements it it doesn't mean it's without hope it just means that it it's the battle of which your uh, protagonists are having to deal with and it's the lens that you you see it and so it it's really really interesting i think the other thing just as a very side thing at the time we put this list together, uh, we hadn't watched it, but over Christmas we've been watching His Dark Materials, mm-hmm. uh, the Philip Pullman uh, adaptation by the BBC. And again, uh, what a great uh, series uh, that has been. Again, a very much, again, dystopian, authoritarian authorities uh, and how you deal with that, but within this fantasy uh setting around dust and alternative uh realities um and i think touching on physical with string theory i think certainly from the the opening credits mm-hmm. uh really uh that was great and of course the the main uh girl playing lyra the really really stand out again and of course if you do watch this you'll realize she was the little girl in logan mm-hmm. as well yep and um, so yeah, she has some acting chops on her for sure, I think. So sliding into number five would be his dark materials along with years and years as well. Uh, Chris, did you get the chance to check out years and years at all this year? No, um, and I'm just kind of now going, damn, yeah. That was one I really... I, it, there was actually... I, I A different show trumped years and years for me, and that was Killing right. Eve. 
it was a 50-50 toss-up between Killing Eve and Years and Years. And myself and Kelly just sat there and uh, binged Killing Eve. Um, so th- it was definitely a show where uh, it's sitting in my backlog. Will I get to it? I hope so. Um, I love Emma Thompson in Years and Years. I love a lot of the actors in Years and Years, um, especially... Um, the actress from Space, Jessica Hines, is in it. Emma Thompson's in it. Uh, it's, so it's got a quite a good pedigree. And it's, it's definitely sitting there. It's just, um, yeah, Killing Eve trumped it for me. Uh, and we, we, we went down the Killing Eve mm-hmm. rabbit it's hole. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Killing Eve has become this massive pop culture phenomenon, really. It's, it's a show, you know, I think, I think it is absolutely the writing on that show. The acting is fantastic from the two leads in there, but, um, but the writing on the show feels so naturalistic. It's something that you don't get in these kind of crime dramas because a crime drama is 10 a penny on any show. Any channel has at least two or three, uh, crime dramas on there about, you know, catching the killer and catching the murderer or the serial killer or the paid hired assassin. You know, there's, there's all those kind of shows, but it's the writing that really stands out, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Phoebe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, is one of the writers, or was a def- at least one of the was the main writer of season one. Um, uh, so for those who don't know who Phoebe uh, Waller Bridge is, uh, she is a Fleabag. Um, she wrote uh, Fleabag, the the production and the stage show, and then season one and season two of it. Um, again, fantastic writing, just cultural phenomenon, pop hit, whatever you want to call it, really came out in twenty nineteen. Um, but she is one of the main writers, but definitely the writer of season one. I think season two and three, she, um, kind of just became more of a, a kind of lead. Um, she would be, uh, the, the producer, showrunner, if you want to call it that. Um, well, she did have another major project on her plate, uh, over the last year, which was writing the next Bond movie. So, uh, she's the new writer on Bond. So. Yeah, uh, and that's why I'm actually looking forward to Bond for the first time in quite a while. <laughs> um, so that actually perfectly brings us on to movies. Um, so movies are, we did cover some movies in 2019, not many, but there were definitely some significant movies we covered in 2019. We covered five to date total. Um, starting off the year, we covered uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, followed quickly by Captain Marvel, then the other Captain Marvel, also known as Shazam, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home swung his way in towards in July, and then, of course, the end of all things, the end of all Avengers, Avengers Endgame. We covered all five of those films. Um, they were five very different films. So, gentlemen, which of those five... Which one really kind of stuck in your craw? Which one, uh, was the, the, the web that stuck you? Which one was the one that you loved the most? <laughs> I love, I love that you stuck in the craw in a positive way. Stuck in the craw is, is usually really negative. <laughs> Something that you can't get out of your throat, you know? Um, you know, the one I've watched most is probably the one that came out at the start of the year, uh, which was Spider-Man, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. I've probably watched that. Uh, put that on the background all the time. I really enjoy it, but that's probably because it's the most creative film uh, in terms of animation that I've seen in many, many years. I really, really enjoyed uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Um, with Avengers Endgame coming out later in the year and then not coming to um, to home viewing until uh, towards, what was it, uh, uh, 
December, I think it came out in home viewing. Yeah. So I haven't seen that. We were right in the middle of our move around that time. So I haven't seen it more than uh, the twice that I did for the recording. Um, but I think probably, yeah, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is probably my, my favorite for the year. Uh, in terms of Marvel, um, I'd say Endgame. I'm going to, I'm going to just give it to Endgame just, but I did enjoy Captain Marvel as well. Yeah. I, I think for me, Endgame, just purely what it's trying to do is worthy of being the best. But mm-hmm. I think I'm still, um, for me, the one I came out of thinking I loved that it had heart, it had everything it was Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that reason, I'm going with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I think I've been a bit critical of Spider-Man because, you know, unfortunately we've got the copy paste around, uh, Uncle Ben and, and the origin story. And I think it's hung heavy on the character, to be honest. Um, I think, um, you know, I think the same can be said for, for my own personal favorite comic, uh, character in Doctor Strange. I think sometimes his origin story weighs heavy on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think here, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, first off, introduced the multiverse, um, and, and the different Spider-Men, uh, within ladies uh, and, uh, pigs uh within it it was great sense of humor and it was just fresh it i i love i came out of it bouncing it was so upbeat so good um, and and really ran through your emotions great animation so for that yeah i i I, for me spider-man into the spider-verse and the fact they used that um, exactly as you said, the retelling of the origin story as a central pinning for its comedy throughout the episode. It's like, oh, here we go again. We need to tell the origin story of this character. Yeah. Blank, blank, blank. A couple of pages from the, from their personal comic book and it's all the same. Everybody's lost someone that's important to them. Uh, yeah. I thought that was really, really good. It, it was self-aware about the property and about some of maybe, you know, its past issues around, you know, weighing too heavy around uncle ben mm-hmm. and his origin um but you know self-awareness of a property as to its great things and some of its maybe uh, overused elements as well as some of the negatives is it's a great thing to have uh as a creative uh sort of wall to bounce the 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 ideas off, yeah. you know. Yeah, it can sometimes become the baggage for a franchise like that, can't it? Um, Chris, you've got a really tough choice here with two movies out this year. I know. Um, I, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. This was one of my favorite years in a long time. The culmination of the MCU. What was it? 22 films in Avengers Endgame. I smiled ear to ear, uh, throughout that film. Um, certain aspects of it was amazing. Other aspects, I was like, oof. Um, we discussed that. Go back and listen to our podcast. You'll hear my thoughts. Um, Far From Home was Far From Home. I still loved it, and that ending was spectacular, but I can't, I can't tell a lie. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is still, still to this day, one of my favorite Spider-Man films. Um, it's just got so much heart. It's the music is amazing. I still regularly listen to the soundtrack. Um, I still like Derek. Just go back and watch it um, regularly. Just have it on the background when I need to feel a bit creative, um, uh, or I just need something beautiful to watch in four K. Um, the the attention to detail is amazing, and we are getting a sequel, which is even better. Um, Lord has uh. 
lord of fa- famous lord and miller um uh renowned uh has uh, said that he uh, that they are they announced uh, i think just in november or beginning of december that they um the new film is on its way um i think it's 2021 am i correct in saying that oh, i think it might be a little further out i'm not sure whether they were able to confirm uh, a date on it the i think the time for into the spider verse was almost five years of production now you know the, things can move a bit quicker but i just hope they take the time because i've said before i am not a fan of lord and miller especially when they're rushed into doing a sequel to something they've done before um but they did a great job, or he did a great job on Into the Spider Verse with the other writer that yes. was on that was on there. So, as long as they just take the time to do another great movie, hey, you can have ten years if you want. I'm happy with that. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I, I'm. I, it's going to be a tough one. If they go 2020, I, I, I it's going to be terrible. If they go 2021, it's it potentially has quite a, a, a good chance. 2022 will be the sweet spot. Uh, that's where I want to see the, the sequel come. As I say, it can wait to 2050. I don't mind as long as it's good. Uh, one one movie we just didn't mention there of the five that we talked about, uh, Shazam this year, was a really good, fun film that we went to see. It's it's one of the best of the DC uh, movies that I've seen in the last while. Uh, better than Aquaman for me. Um, not as high up there as Wonder Woman. Uh, I thought that was a great one. And we get a Wonder Woman sequel coming out in 2020, which I'm really, really looking forward to. <laughs> exactly uh, but Shazam was great fun if you haven't seen it because a lot of people seem to for some reason not go and see it it is really good uh, a little bit ultra violent for really young kids but uh, but definitely a movie that I would have really enjoyed seeing if I was uh, maybe 12 or 13 um, I think it was it's a right, around the right age uh, and I'm still kind of that in my head sometimes so uh, I think it would have worked work very well for families now yeah, uh, I I I still watch Shazam every now and again. Um, I love Zachary Levi. Um, uh, he bulked up. Um, he he glowed up, if you will. Um, but uh, he or he nerded up. Um, yeah, it it was still a good one. It's interesting to see. Um, that we also this year got a different DC movie. Um, not in the DCEU. Um, which apparently did slightly better. Which moves <laughs> us on to our uh point four. Uh, of our movies that we didn't cover in 2019. Again, we didn't cover these not for any particular reason, just because, uh, time, um, uh, or, uh, some of them are also just kind of would have been hard to fit into our narrative, if you will, um, uh, being more comic booky. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, a stunning admission here, I think, uh, at the start of 2020. Um, Definitely myself and John. I think, Chris, you're probably the same at this stage. How many of us have seen the billion-dollar earning uh, DC's biggest movie of all time, The Joker? Not me, unfortunately. I'd love to see it. And again, it was one where circumstance, timing, mm-hmm. um, moving countries... We couldn't find it in English, really. Um, it it, it yeah. didn't... Um, it, it, we we couldn't get round to see it, mm-hmm. um, which is a real shame because uh, really like to see uh, this version of of the Joker for yeah. sure. Jackie Phoenix, like he's a yeah. he's an actor you really liked in a lot of things. As exactly. Well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know from the list that we have, I'm in in terms of you know some of the movies. There's so many movies, mm-hmm. um, and of course we haven't listed half of them probably we've only got what five yeah um so there's plenty more for sure um and the one i'm pleased 
in some respects that I didn't see was X-Men Dark Phoenix. Mm. Um, unfortunately, it would seem that that, um, franchise definitely needs a, a little, um, sort of, um, uh, refresh. It, it, it suggests to me everything I've heard about it. And okay, I still need to see it. Um, it might be, um, a, a moment like our review of the Fantastic Four stick. Oh, no. Um, that it could be, uh, that, um, sort of uninspiring, to be honest. Lots of great cast, absolutely wasted, yeah. I think yeah. the one that I really, uh, outside of comic books that I would have loved to have podcasted about is Jordan Peele's Us. Mm. Um, you know, his follow up to Get Out. Um, was again just another great piece of social horror movie making, mm-hmm. uh, which I really, really enjoyed. Knives Out, who doesn't love a good whodunit? And in the spirit of Agatha Christie, uh, w- with the, the murder in the mansion, um, you get a great, uh, little light-hearted tinker through murder and mystery. And of mm-hmm. course, there is the great moment where Daniel Craig's, uh, character it is talking about murder and the donut uh, and the hole in the donut being filled by another donut, which is classic. Uh, absolutely loved it. It was it was definitely very good. There's the, I'm not as high up on it as, as some other people that I've seen. I think it's the greatest movie of 2019 or anything like that. But an original movie taking uh, its inspiration from uh, those classic whodunits and, and making a really good comedy out of it. There was just a couple of lean moments uh, in the middle of the movie that could have been helped by uh, maybe another passed by the writers or a little bit better editing but overall uh really good fun time at the theater certainly for the guy behind us who laughed every time anybody spoke regardless of what they were saying <laughs> which i found maybe <laughs> maybe that was quite <laughs> annoying um but i don't know whether you just enjoyed everybody's accents <laughs> chris anything uh, on our top five list so we had five movies we had the joker knives out x-men dark phoenix jordan peele's us and the irishman which were kind of considered as standout movies or movies we should probably cover uh, in 2019 any of those that stood out to you that you would want to have covered so i would have wanted to cover joker i've still yet not to see it it came as you said it just had a bad time for all of us i had uh, i had recently started a new job um, and I was traveling quite a fair bit, as our uh, listeners know. Um, I, there's the odd episode I missed just because I was globetrotting. Um, I recently, uh, over Christmas, watched Knives Out. Um, I managed to get to see it. It was spectacular. Um, I <laughs> really enjoyed it. I, I think it was just, cle- like you said, it was original, it was clever. Um, it uh, brought me back to uh, last night, the, before recording this, I watched Clue. Excellent. Oh, excellent Just stuff. because, do you know? Um, I'm going through that kind of whodunit phase again, um, which I really enjoyed. And it's it. I want to see a Knives Out universe. So Knives <laughs> In um, is the next one. Expert Dark Phoenix, I watched this on a plane, um, which may have made it better oh. um, uh, because I was low on oxygen. Yes, it's time for the X-Men. Uh, this was uh, the end of the first class era, and I'm glad they're going to college. We can put those kids down now. Um, <laughs> like a, like a sick old dog. Uh, no, uh, it wasn't bad. It just, it was terribly written. Uh, it was edited within an inch of its life. Um, it was actually, uh, ref- the whole third act was refilmed, um, because it was too much like Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it just didn't make sense. Um, 
So I'm glad they're in the MCU now. Uh, the X-Men will join it. Who knows when? But in in uh, Fahi we trust. Uh, Us Us was an interesting one. Um, I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as Get Out. Oh right, yeah. Um, so but it was still a good, good, good film. I like Jordan Peele's stuff. Um, he has some other things coming up this year, um, which is going to be definitely interesting, and I think something we may be looking at. Um, but for the Irishman, I'm sorry. Um, I know this is a cultural moment. It was a standout. Uh, I tried to watch it twice. I just can't invest three and a half hours. Um, or nearly was it four hours, whatever. And I just, yeah, I d- didn't find it as enjoyable as some of the, his previous works. So actually for me, the Irishman is the lowest of the low. Uh, it was just not something I wanted. Um, but yeah, those were the films we covered in 2019 and the ones we didn't and wish we could have, or in my case with the Irishman, glad we didn't. <laughs> it would have taken a lot to cover a, a movie that's that length and needs to be watched in depth. My understanding of it, all I've heard from, from reviewers who've watched it is when you get to the end, it's well worth the experience, but it's a bit of a slog at times throughout it. Um, but the great thing is it was on Netflix really quickly and you could just pause it and walk out of the room or come back to it the next night or whatever if you couldn't sit for, for three and a half hours straight. But hey, I will get around to it at some point uh, when things are lightening up. Uh, speaking of which, we're coming into 2020 for the first time. We don't have a central kind of pin on exactly what it is we cover because in the past we've had Gotham coming back every year and we've had uh, Defenders coming out with at least one, maybe two, maybe even three shows in a year. So we're kind of up in the air for some of our listeners as to what we could be covering in the future. So we thought we'd lay out some of the shows that we will definitely be covering in 2020. Some of the things that are coming up that we will definitely be talking about. Um, first up, we mentioned before at the end of our Watchmen coverage, our next big show is Star Trek Picard. Um, coming to the US on the 23rd of January, uh, coming to the UK and around Europe on Amazon Prime from the 24th, uh, Star Trek Picard follows Captain Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek, uh, played wonderfully by Patrick Stewart uh, in the past. He's coming back for two seasons at the very least, definitely confirmed for two seasons um, of about 10 episodes each season. Um, I'm really, really excited about this. Yeah, me um, too. I think I love Patrick Stewart. I've loved all the stuff he's done after uh, Star Trek The Next Generation as well, because he's got a good sense of humor. He's always re- been really good presence in in shows and movies that he's done. He's just a wonderful actor as well. And the idea that they've encouraged him to come back to Spearhead, a new show set in the Star Trek world, is really exciting to me. And I think he can do cool old guys really, uh-huh. really well. I mean, I think not to sort of try and compare it to Logan, but, you know, he was masterful mm-hmm. there in in Logan as an aging Professor Xavier yeah. with uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. And, okay, it, I, it's not going to be the same, but even if he just brings a tenth of that kind of pathos, yeah. um, you know, that ability to nostalgia around what he's done. Um, I, I think this could be really, really interesting uh, addition to the Star Trek yeah. universe. Um, and in fairness, we've not done any of the Star Trek shows, uh, both myself and John, and I think actually Chris as well. We've all watched uh, and enjoyed Star Trek Discovery. It's been a really, really good show. Um, so I'm intrigued to see our take on Star Trek as well. I think that'll be, that'll be enjoyable. Yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, as John said, um, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart does old men well. Uh, 
cool old guys, I think I said. Cool old guys, cool old guys. Yes. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, the, where that falls, I think we hopefully will get Chris in for the uh, premiere uh, of that. But I know you have to take a bit of a break in 2020 um, for some work travel that you'll be doing, Chris. Uh, so hopefully you'll be able to join us for some of the shows, particularly some of the shows coming up in the latter half of the year when you have ended your uh, period of, of going on travel. So um, so I think you might miss a little bit of card, but you're always welcome yep. to send in your thoughts to us. Uh, <laughs> at feedback at TV podcasting. Exactly. Yes. Or you have our mobile numbers. You can always just call <laughs> us up and tell us. <laughs> I can do that too. We've already mentioned the other two. Um, Pennyworth season two begins production in January uh, and boys season two has ended uh, for the main uh, characters in the, in that show. Uh, they've all kind of said their goodbyes to each other for the end of season two, but there's probably a lot of work uh, in putting in the CGI blood and uh, the CGI violence uh, and the CGI dolphins uh, for season two that we should be seeing <laughs> of the boys. Um, so that is also expected to be CGI crabs. July, as well. yes, CGI crabs, exactly. Uh, should be coming out uh, hopefully towards July, uh, August, as we said, and, and Pennyworth will, will also be coming around that time too. But you say we don't know, it's a little bit unfamiliar, but at the same time, Marvel movies are still going on, and we have Black Widow on May 1st, mm-hmm. as well as The Eternals, uh, which is due for release uh, in November, uh, on the 6th of November, uh, so later on this year. And of course, whilst Marvel Netflix is no more in terms of those shows, there is Disney Plus and Marvel Television yeah. uh, and their slate, which we will be covering, I suppose, under the subtitle of The Defenders. I think we will. Um, <laughs> on TV podcast industries. And of course, this year we have Falcon and The Winter Soldier. Uh, that are coming together in a smorgasbord of loveliness to see how they will battle someone evil. Uh, yes, and that evil is Baron Nemo. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that is out uh, this autumn uh, in 2020. Yes. yes, and that looks definitely good. We've seen some uh, leaked um, set photos and... Oof. Have you, Chris? Um, You've been looking at leaked set photos. <gasps> oh, my have. goodness. Terrible. I haven't, I haven't seen a thing about that this other than the official uh, logo, I think, as I've seen from this. From this uh, but what can I say? I, 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 like, I like me some Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, moving <laughs> I, li- I like on, me some Falcon. Um, Cut the check. <laughs> there is other one other show, uh, which is WandaVision, which uh, apparently will be out before Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which comes out on May 7th, 2021. Uh, current, uh, current rumors... Uh, again, we don't rely too much on rumors, uh, here until something is confirmed. But the current rumor is that it will be a kind of January, February release in 2021 for WandaVision. But who knows? They may surprise us with a uh, Christmas drop or a something beyond that. But the Loki TV show, which we don't have any idea of the release, release date. We have the Hawkeye TV show. Again, no idea of the release date, but I believe that's not even started filming yet. So that's probably more likely to be in 2021. Uh, one of the interesting comments that Kevin Feige made uh, was that he said the other three shows mentioned for Disney Plus, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk, will all be quote-unquote ready by the end of 2020. Uh, don't really know if that means that an episode of each of the shows will start by the end of 2020 or whether they'll be completed and they'll be putting them out in 2021. Um, but when they come out, we will be covering all three of those shows as well. Yes, um, I personally think that they'll probably be written. Maybe we might have one of them 
starting to air, or at least one of them in the production bag. Uh, I, 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 I don't see having... That's quite a rush for three shows to be written, produced, and starting to air um, within 12 months. Yeah, it, it's, but it's strange, isn't they've it? Got, it's Marvel. Absolutely, and remember, you know, network after network produces five to ten shows per year to deliver uh, to their customers on, on normal cable TV. So I'm I'm wondering if that's the way they're going to approach it. Marvel TV is now a production company producing TV shows and needs to produce a number of them every year. To be left in the position where they are right now with The Mandalorian having ended now after its eight-episode run and not to have any, you know, let's say nerd adult content to be out there for or family nerd content to be out there until close to the end of the year is probably going to hurt Disney Plus for a little while. I suppose that's part of the reason why they had people uh, getting great deals for three-year contracts or two-year contracts with them. Um, but there's loads of uh, older content that's on there, loads of shows, loads of movies and stuff that uh, that will hopefully fill up people's time between now and, and now and then, but just not a huge amount to look forward to until uh, after the end of September. Well, let's just hope they don't run those three shows like EastEnders or Coronation Street <laughs> or, or Emmerdale. Uh, that would be tragic. But I suppose on such a platform, um, which are, you know, they're, they're soap operas in, in the UK. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they do quick turnarounds. I can't imagine it's like that. But mm-hmm. certainly when you have a platform, I suppose you need to have the coverage of shows there. So maybe um, there will be. Uh, are, are releasing them in weird and wonderful ways now that they have the big Disney Plus platform in which to to release. But yeah. yes. Um, and in case we haven't mentioned it recently, one of the other things that came out from those statements, those early statements and those announcements from Kevin Feige was that Moon Knight, Miss Marvel and She-Hulk will all begin on Disney Plus um, with the intention that they will end off in movies, whether that be cameos or uh, whatever else. But the um, the promise, I suppose, or the uh, concept of It's All Connected that came from Jeff Loeb's Marvel TV. Uh, this is Marvel Studios creating these TV shows for uh, Disney+, Plus, uh, which owns the rights to all of it. So um, it's probably a much closer promise from Kevin Feige saying, if these characters start here, we're going to actually see them in the movies in the future. So a bit of a shame for the characters that were on Marvel Netflix and uh, the characters in Cloak and Dar- Dagger and the characters in Runaways. Um, but but this is the new promise from Kevin Feige, effectively. So that's that's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Yes, there is one other show that I um, will be talking about uh, because it is me. Um, Kevin Smith this year in 2020 has Howard the Duck coming to Hulu mm-hmm. as part of the uh, Modoc, Hit uh, Hit Monkey, and Dazzling Tigra. Oh, good gravy! Uh, four shows. Um, I don't know whether we'll be covering some of the other ones, but I will definitely do a podcast on uh, Howard the Duck. I am a fan of the film just because of how weird it is. Okay. Um, I am a fan of huge fan of Kevin Smith. Uh, so this is right up my alley. Uh, so we definitely, you can hand on heart when that happens. I will do a special one episode, one off where I give you my 
crazy thoughts on that show. <laughs> if that's coming out this year, I would say we're probably going to easily be able to fit it on the slate. I think the biggest challenge is finding things that are going to be there from now until June, really, that we're going to be covering. But as well, we have missed one off here with Penny Dreadful City of Angels that's as well, which show. we will definitely be covering. Yep. So th- this has definitely started production. Um, it's got Natalie Dormer from uh, Game of Thrones. There's a whole host of other people it's written by John Logan, who did the first Penny Dreadful, also writer of uh, the the recent run of James Bond movies with Sam Mendes. Um, and it's set within the same world, but it is a completely different set of characters. I believe the thing I read is that this is probably the first TV show that will... Um, the, 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 the setting of it is about a freeway construction in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. uh, in the sixties, uh, so, or fifties at some, some point then. So, um, we haven't written our production notes yet. I no. think it's about the thirties, all the thirties, yeah, <laughs> all the forties, all the fifties, all the sixties at some point, um, sort of within the, the middle part yes. of the 20th century. You are and, right. I forgot to put all the details of this in our um, documents. I'm sorry, John. But building up to that, because it's certainly in production, it's certainly filming at the moment. There's been some gorgeous uh, set pictures that have been officially released um, mm-hmm. of them. So that's kind of... <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Um, and uh, uh, what I would be hoping, my intention is to build up to Penny Dreadful City of Angels, is to retrospectively look at Penny Dreadful Seasons 1, 2, and 3 um, leading up to that. Just... 30-minute, maybe 20, 30-minute slots on each episode um, at this moment. Uh, still just to uh, sort of pen that out and, and do the timing so it, it fits nicely <laughs> with the release of, of Penny Dreadful City of Angels, which we still don't actually have uh, a release date yes. for. So um, I'm hoping just to give a retrospective on Penny Dreadful, the original uh, series there as well, starring... Um, Timothy Dalton, Eva Green, and Josh Hartnett. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. Excellent. Excellent. I'm still trying to work out, because I remember even when the show was on air, we were still trying to get a grasp of whether we would call it the Dreadful Podcast or the Petty Podcast. I still like Dreadful Podcast. Yeah, I, I do as well. Welcome to the Dreadful Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, of course, I should always... And that's just talking about his host. <laughs> Wee! Um, so I think, uh, yes, we need to see which one of the co-hosts will come on and probably alternate mm-hmm. um, and and maybe even see if there can be some guest hosts for at least the retrospective as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, one final one that just yes. popped into my head. Um, anybody know if, uh, if What If is going to be released, the cartoon uh, show from uh, Marvel? Is that being released in 2020 or is there any idea of a date on that? Apparently, we may get some this year. Again, no mm-hmm. confirmed dates. Um, it's a very much, again, watch this space. Um, that will definitely be one we will be covering because, oof, um, I am a huge fan of um, Captain Carter, um, the Captain America, mm-hmm. Peggy Carter, um, and there's a few others in there. Um, I I wonder if they'll do the Punisher. Have they confirmed each of the episodes? They confirmed that each episode is uh, taken from one of the Marvel movies. So we have twenty two episodes for the twenty two Marvel films that have been released up to Endgame. So it'll be an offshoot of something that happened in each of those movies. With Punisher not being in the movies, likely that he's not going to take part in first season anyway of of What If. Interesting. 
Okay. Um, yeah, we, we do have some really interesting stuff in there. I believe I heard Marvel Zombies uh, being mentioned. Yeah, that's the one I'm really interested in. I know. Um, <laughs> it just... Oh, hold on, hold on. Okay. According, this just in, uh, live from IMDb. Yeah, it's saying... Oh, okay. Expected to release in 2021 um that is imdb that is not confirmed so uh because that isn't it's not written in stone um so watch this space okay so off our radar for 2020 we won't be covering it in next year but loads of marvel stuff coming next year uh, really excited to see what they do with the eternals um a spy movie set in the marvel universe with black widow hey that could be fantastic the last one one of those we had was still one of my favorite uh Marvel movies with uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. So let's see what comes out for the rest of the year. Loads of other good stuff on there. Hunters on Netflix from Jordan Peele. I just saw the trailer for that last week. It looks fantastic. It's not something we're going to be covering on the podcast, but lots of other great stuff. Let us know, fellow watchers and fellow defenders and fellow TV podcast industrialists. Uh, What do you think of the best shows coming up in 2020? What you're most looking forward to in movies in the cinemas in 2020? Uh, You can always email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or come over to our group on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. And you can share your thoughts with us about any of the things that you're excited about seeing next year. So, drumroll, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Following this podcast, a year in review and our 2020 look at, we are doing a two episode discussion of The Witcher. Uh, we will be splitting the season one into two episodes, the first four episodes and the, the remaining four episodes, where we will look at Henry Cavill. Oh, Roach, yeah. Geralt, Yennefer. Uh, we're going to do some bathtub discussion scenes. We're going to talk about how it plays out to the books, how it plays out to the game. It's going to be fantastic. We will be releasing it to uh, our Patreon subscribers. And then following uh, a few days after that, we'll be releasing it to everyone else. All of our fellow industrialists will be able to listen to it after that. Um, so, yes, The Witcher season we may review. even do it as in a musical theme you know remember the buffy vampire slayer uh where the the episode was done as a musical mm. because of one of the the bard's lyrics and singing in in episode two and nice. um, then i i think certainly we could bard our way through um one of the episodes right. in lyrical songs uh, and plinky plunky string music so they haven't been recorded yet but <laughs> they will be recorded the next week or two uh, and will be available over on patreon so i think as john's saying toss a coin to your podcaster and you'll get that a bit earlier than on our main feed right i suppose so yes <laughs> because i really am now shaking in my boots that i will need to sing um uh, we've the, all of, i think actually our listeners are shaking in their boots at the thought of having to listen to me sing. if every window was sentient they would be shaking every <laughs> wine glass is about to crack well two but, good new, good pieces uh the song from the witcher which i hope is no spoiler is absolutely terrible and secondly you won't get sued chris because you can't sing the uh the theme uh, so it's okay <laughs> Do, 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 do. No, that's Game of Thrones. Yes. <laughs> Dare we say it? Dare we say it? Fellow witches, put away your best crystal. Uh, Chris is about airwaves in song. 
I like it. That is about it, fellow watchers, <laughs> fellow listeners of uh, TV Podcast Industries. Thanks so much for joining us for an epic look at 2019 and our look into the future of 2020. Uh, no crystal balls were broken in uh, our creation for this episode. Uh, thanks for joining us all along, and thanks for joining us over on Patreon and our Facebook group. Uh, please stay with us. There's lots of great stuff coming up. Yeah, thank you so much for listening, uh, fellow watchers, witches, Gothamites and the rest. It's great as always, uh, chatting with you. Speak with you next time. Uh, remember to keep watching and keep listening. Yes. Thank you so much. And toss a coin to your podcasters. We'll see you very soon. Bye. <laughs> no. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Next time, shoot the kill. I will follow you until your death. For the record, this is not how I wanted things to go. Fire on my command! For Gotham. I dreamed about the Punisher every night. He thinks that he has the right to judge me. I want him to feel what I feel. I don't like it any more than you do, but I told you, I I can't dis not do what I'm told. An angel! I, I, I can't cope with this while I'm drunk. I'm going to sober up. Yeah, me too. I have an instinct for idiocy. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Don't care. Some people might say that you lack a moral compass. I have never, not even once, given a shit about people like that. I wish I could say the same. You do give a shit? That sucks. Whatever happened? Who says something happened? Something always happens. Everything is terrible. Optimism is a lie. Expect the worst. Jesus. Thanks for the pep talk. It's reality. I accept it and proceed accordingly. To low expectations. You're Thomas Wayne? No. I am. Thomas Wayne. I ask one favor. In the unlikely event that you survive me, please tell my parents that I face death honorably. Really? That's what you want to say? Why not? It's your shout, mate. I'll do my best to keep you alive, but if things go pear-shaped, I'll tell them that. And it's true. You've been very decent about all this. Oi, both of you. M.M. What? What's Sporty Spice up to? Who? Sporty Spice, what's she up to? I don't know. Exactly. How about Posh? You know what she's doing? I don't understand. Making clothes for anorexics, right? Not exactly a growth market. And baby, you know what she's doing? Not even page six of the Daily Mail. And Scary Spice, up to her eyeballs in lawsuits and sex tapes. Ginger, on the other hand, has released three albums. Passion, Schizophonic, and Scream If You Want To Go Faster. They'll all make your ears bleed. You see... When they're apart, they're absolute rubbish. But you put them together, 
Without the goddamn Spice Girls. Cool. You take Sunday off when you're done? No, the entire process is complete in approximately 90 seconds. Typical. I'm sorry? A man creating life in under two minutes? Oh, a sex joke. It's funny. Thanks. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Is the next one uh, X Men Dark Phoenix? I watched this on a plane. Um, Sorry, Chris, can you it, give me that? So Phoenix, Phoenix doesn't rhyme with penis. <laughs> X Men <Talk>. Dark Phoenix. <laughs> I did you say Dark Penis? Dark Phoenix. <laughs> it's potentially did. Uh. X Men Dark Phoenix. I watched this on a plane. 